Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends, to Navigate with I.D. Enang. What a week this is, a pleasant week, a week where we are celebrating fathers like my good self, great days where fathers will and should continually be celebrated. Happy Father's Day to all good, great fathers that are listening to me and those that are going about very humble beginnings, doing the things that they know how best to do and taking all the flag, all because they want something to happen with the family. But today, I don't want to run this race alone. Like I did say to you all during the last episode, building on the theme, a legacy-driven life. What a time to look at the subject of fatherhood, because when you talk about legacy, it's actually imbibed and imputed in every man to ensure that his legacy comes right. And that legacy comes through the process of fatherhood. I have a very special guest today that's joining me to have a very robust conversation. This gentleman, I've known him for so many years, an amiable gentleman, a father, one who is an industrialist, an enthusiast, very brilliant orator uh, by excellence. And more importantly, he's one of those few men that when I sit with him to have a conversation, I take my notepad and I'm writing. I have no out of doubt that as many of you listening to this program now or thereafter, you'll find this beautiful piece, one that should make you know your day and the weeks and months ahead quite inspiring. We're going to look at the subject of a responsible father being a blessing to the society. And I have the pleasure and honor to introduce my friend and brother, Mr. Akin Sawyer. Akin, you're welcome to Navigate with ID. Thank you very much indeed. What an introduction. I'm uh, greatly humbled and it's a real honor and a pleasure to be able to share this, uh, this the time ahead with you. Thank you, Aidy. No, Thanks for having me. No, it's always a pleasure, bro. We we know how we roll. Everything I said, you know, I actually meant them because they're true. Um, you, you'll, you'll definitely give us a good slice of that in the next couple of minutes. But Aki, I'm going to set you up right from the onset. And the setup is this. If for any reason we don't exhaust this topic today, I'm going to have you come back this week on Thursday. So if I have your commitment, then I'll roll freely and know that regardless of what happens, we'll land this kite at the end of the day. So I know I put you on the spot, but how does that work? Well, you know, I'm, I greatly believe that whatever you start, you must finish. Um, things left half done are never, ever good enough. So, you oh, know, oh, once dude. once we're in, we're, you know, we're in for the whole hog. In for a cobble, in for a naira. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, distinguished listeners, you see what the man is made of. Okay, Aki, I'm going to put this smack on. I had the rare privilege of um, speaking at a men's meeting in the course of the weekend on Saturday specifically. And everybody was talking about a responsible father, a responsible father, a responsible father. And then I was invited to come and speak around the same topic. So let me let you know the listeners, you know, from your own perspective, before I start getting into some very hardball questions. And um, at the end, I hope, you know, we can have a good Jojo. What's your take on that phrase, a responsible father? Whatever way you want to slice and dice it out, just want to listen to you. Okay, thank you very much. That's a great question. Before I tackle the question directly, I'd like to just acknowledge a couple of things. Uh, the first thing I'd like to acknowledge is all the people who want to be fathers 
who desire deeply to be fathers and who have not been able to achieve that or attain that for one reason or the other. Um, I'd like to also acknowledge and recognize people who have been fathers and due to one unfortunate incident or the other have lost a child, perhaps an only child. Um, I, I want to come at this from the perspective that those of us who are fathers are highly privileged, uh, highly privileged. It's not a right. Um, it's something that is a, a blessing. And so I recognize all those who would like to be in this position, and I hope and pray that uh, their prayers will be answered. So if, if that's okay with me starting with that, I can then answer the question. Is that okay? It's all great. Yeah, we, this is great. And I, and I appreciate that perspective too. Yeah. Great. Okay. So what is a responsible father? To me, a responsible father is, is a father who accepts all of the previously known requirements of being a good father and is adaptable enough to understand that there may be other things, other challenges that may come at them that wasn't in the manual, how to be a father or how to be a responsible wow. father and be prepared to accept and understand that fatherhood is a dynamic, changing responsibility. So I think those who know what is required and are prepared to stand up to the plate and actually do the things that we all know, we've all had fathers, uh, well, uh, most of us have uh, had fathers and know our, know our fathers or knew our fathers if they are no longer here, but ready to step up to the plate and improve on whatever it is we saw them do but as I said, you also be prepared to step up to the plate and deal with the issues that come at men as fathers that perhaps they were not aware of before. So specifically, things like teaching your children how to be good, how to have good morals, how to behave properly, how to be socially uh, acceptable in everything they do, how to have respect for others including their parents, of course, but for society at large. So, you know, a responsible father recognizes the challenging role that he has, the responsibility around all of that, the accountability that goes with the issues that will come at him as a father, whether it's uh, health challenges, for the children or for the child, whether it's educational challenges, learning challenges, behavioral challenges, um, you know, friendship challenges, all sorts of things happen in children's lives. And as a father to a child, whether it's a boy or a girl, we have to be prepared to step up, as I said earlier, to the plate and to help guide, navigate, inspire, be a role model, advise, counsel, support, all of the things that go with trying to just help a person move up and along using the experience that you have as a father, the experience that yeah. you had built up over the years, and really bringing all of that into play and then having a proper, mutually respectful relationship with the child. Um, yeah. And I hope you know covered. something. You know, it, it, it is. I mean, we have a long we have a long day on this topic. And um, I know that a lot of listeners right now, um, some are would-be fathers, some are fathers, and some, to a large extent, maybe just stumbled on fatherhood somehow. One of the things that I, I tend to look at this from a, a bit more spiritual dimension and um, we are all creatures of a creator, God Almighty, okay? And if you go through the process, you'll realize that mankind was created, a man, that is a male species, was formed, and this man became a husband and later a father. So if I was to look at it from a process standpoint, I would look at it to say a man, husband, and then father it seems to fall under some form of, that process seems to fall under some form of abuse because most people become accidental fathers. And because of that nature, and that little setback, and what do I mean by being accidental fathers? They just have 
you know, children out of wedlock. Um, you know how, you know, being the students in school, stuff happens. A lot of things happen. And right before their eyes, yeah, they find themselves, you know, becoming fathers. And something they never planned for. And that aspect of responsibility becomes a challenge. What do you think, you know, should be the hallmark of such situations? I mean, what should people that find themselves in such situations do? Because, you know, the Almagiris and most of the, you go to Kenya, most of these countries, you just find a lot of those boys, we call them area boys here, but really and truly, they are someone's father, someone's children. They're fathers in the making and they've just gone through a process that is not your normal process. And I like the fact that you acknowledge that even from the beginning. I just want to gain your perspective on on that, you know, progression that I talked about in terms of process. If we really piggyback from God's original plan as, you know, uh, stipulated in, in the word. Okay, so, I you know, I think that, you know, one of the things that, that we find in life is that there's something called accidents, things yeah. that were not planned. Not planned, um, yeah. Accidents happen, not just in becoming a father, uh, in all sorts of things. And the critical thing about life or that incident or accident is what happens next. Correct. What happens next. So, from my perspective, if a person a man finds himself becoming an accidental father, something yeah. he didn't plan. Maybe he planned to become a father when he's 28 and he becomes a father when he's 19. Obviously, there will be a little bit of maturity that uh, may not be there and experience. But it's, it's important for that person, that man, to recognize that he now has a child. He has certain responsibilities to that individual whose life and trajectory on life depends on his actions. If he walks away, it has an impact. If he stays behind and doesn't fulfill his responsibility, it has an impact. If he stays yeah. behind and fulfills his responsibility, it has an impact. And it has an impact on his legacy because yeah. the child is his. Now, it's interesting because when you were asking the question just now, ID, I was running through my mind, all the great men, Mm. whose fathers were absent. We're absent, life. yeah. I don't want to say what I, I can't confirm. I'm not sure how much of a role Obama, uh, the former president of America's father, played in his life. I certainly yeah. know that we've had a number of, of leaders in Nigeria at national and subnational level where they really haven't been able to tell you much about who their fathers were. They may know who their father is, but they haven't had much of a relationship with their father. That in itself yeah. has had an impact on how they then come to father the nation or father the mm. state. Um, Very but true. It, you know, so there, there, you know, I, I think there's an African proverb that says it takes a, a village to bring up a yeah, child. To I raise mean, a child. Know? Yeah, bring up a child. Yeah. A child. Yeah. So yeah. in certain cases, other people step up and take Correct. the position of the father. And not just talking yeah. about financially. You know, yeah. they step up and actually step into the child's life and do that. Now, if you want somebody else to do that for you, um, yes, of course it's possible, but it's not the right way to go. Um, so yeah. I think if, if an accident happens, it happens. What do we yeah. do next? And perhaps if you're a young father who's had this accident, perhaps you go to your own father or to people who represent a father figure to you to say, how yeah. do I take this forward? So you are leveraging somebody else's fathering experience. Yeah. To then deploy into your own child. It's a, it's I love the way you've taken it because you know sometimes society has become so critical especially when people get on the religious tangent. They get so over religious that people don't want to take responsibility. A young man falters. Yes, it's been accidental. And you know I believe to a large extent because of the pressure of the society and sometimes the pressure of families who want to keep this equity-based dimension, um, particularly for the ladies and, and especially for the girl-child more, 
but for the male child they tend to get it off a bit more than than for the female but here's where i'm going if a young man you know falters as this accidental stuff we've talked about the problem is that most tend to deny most tend not to accept responsibility so they go into the denial mode why do you think that happens because you are 16 you are a teenager um yeah you early 20s young adult um you become an accidental well supposedly you know once the fetus is there the process starts so why do you think young people tend to go into that denial mode uh when they are told listen um you are i'm carrying your child i'm carrying our child and automatically they get into a denial mode of not accepting responsibility what's your take on that because that's part of the process you know of this thing about responsibility and fatherhood starts from there sure sure so i think again if i can just go generic for a second yes, whenever please. an accident happens car accident uh any accident when, whenever an accident happens the first thing that comes into the minds of the people who are involved in that accident and even those who are observing the accident is fear mm. people become afraid yeah. some people are afraid that they might be long-term injury some people are afraid that they might get punished because of the accident and if you take mm. it to fatherhood, a 16-year-old boy or 18-year-old boy who's probably still at school or at university, yeah. who's expected to do well, goes and gets himself embroiled in a relationship where he gets a girl pregnant. She may be at school. She may, well, she certainly, if she's of that same age in this age, society, would be in school. Still, yep. yes, it's still under the roof of her parents. Her parents, yeah. So then that kind of thing happens. Fear sets in. Should I yeah. run? Should I stay? Will her father attack me? <laughs> Will my mother scream at me? Yeah. Uh, how is this going to affect her education? How will it affect mine? Who's going to pay for the upkeep of this child? I don't have a job. I don't have yeah. any income. I'm still collecting pocket money myself. So you see, that fear takes the minds of people, boys, young men, in many different directions. And therefore, the automatic response often when people are fearful is to say, it wasn't me. Mm. It wasn't my fault. I yeah. didn't. So it's an automatic response. And, uh, you know, that, that I think is the primary cause of this word that you use, denial. Mm. Yeah, it's because it's it's actually quite preponderant in our in our society, and indeed, I dare say, um, within the context of of the world. Um, but in in some other climes, people tend to take it in, and part of that is because of the extant behavior of the family. I mean, here I'm talking about the parents, I'm talking about the guardians, talking about uncles aunties but if we bring it back home there's a tendency that um first feeling is you let us down so the young man is sitting there and saying i don't want to be a let down to my family yes fear setting and of course denial kicks in the minute denial kicks in it goes through a different spiral because with the denial the girl on the other side feels listen you've left me alone um, to go through this. And she's going to face her own canon for that with her family. And at the end of the day, somewhere along the line, reparations need to happen. I'll just step away from that for a brief moment because, you know, some of these things, um, when we just talk about fatherhood, being a father, it takes a process. And once that process is abused, there's a challenge. But I like the way you put it, Akin. You said accidents happen in every facet of life we all plan something happens and when it happens the question is what next it is dealing with the what next that actually brings about the glory at the end of the day because you're able to stand now 
I'm going to ask this question in a different way. Many people tend to sit within a band. If you leave the city where you and I, and most of us listening now, we're all city-based, um, you go into the rural areas, the suburbs. Um, a, lot of, a lot of young men do not actually go through that process. And for them, they may not necessarily sit back and say uh, they want to go through the process you and I would go through. I mean, back home in the village or in the rural areas, a young man that is of age who is probably farming, doing some, some job somewhere, gets of age and is now told by his parents, listen, won't you get married? Now, this is bringing in the societal pressure lines. I don't want anyone to come to the city. You'll see that pressure comes from the home. So if we take it back from the rural area to the suburban, urban, do you think that pressure from family sometimes um, would make some people step into the institution and then they want to get married and become husbands and ultimately become fathers? Do you think that somewhat may also affect the quality of maturity that some young men, you know, get, you know, becoming fathers, when they become fathers, I beg your pardon. Yes, ID. I think the simple answer to your question is yes. Um, but of course, you didn't ask me a question for me to just say yes and keep quiet. Yeah, I need your perspective, bros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the simple answer to your question is yes. Um, ID, I think that, you know, we can't, walk away from who we are. Yeah. You know, we are African people and over many, many centuries, we've believed that having children is a very important way of, of, uh, of, of establishing your legacy, establishing yeah. your manhood. Um, and in certain cases, it, it's been economic. You know, if you are a farmer, we, we're largely from an agrarian society. If you are a farmer, then the more farm hands you have that you don't have to pay, the more successful you believe you might become uh, in, in running your farm. A farmer who has one child compared to a farmer who has 15 children, you know, you've got all mm. that labor. And, and all of that still plays, even if you look at the the nomadic people, the cattle yeah. rep, even yeah. they eat as the old man gets tired chasing around a hundred, you know, cows or whatever it might be, the more children he has to help him, you know, with the growing flock or herd, the, the more he feels that he can grow his empire. Now, you know, just because cities have suddenly sprung up, you know, Lagos, Accra, Nairobi, Kigali, Dar es Salaam, just because cities have sprung up and the economic factors that that drive things in the city are different doesn't mean that that's gone away from us. In the rural areas, you need labor, you need hands. Very true. And you need need to to prove your manhood. You need to say, look, I'm a man. I have four sons. I have 41 children. You know, people still are of that mindset. When you come into the city... The bigger your family, the bigger the space you need to rent. The bigger the space you need to rent, the more money you need to pay for renting the space. So people become a bit more humble. When they tell the five-bedroom house in Olodia Papa is X, and they think, ah, in the village, we don't pay rent, or we just don't pay rent. So look, the economic drivers, Mm. the city, are slightly different to the ones in in the village. But of course, there's a connection between the young man in the city and his family in the village, they will tell him that, when are you coming home to get married or to take a wife? And he's looking and thinking, I can barely feed myself. What are these people talking about? But of course, if he's of a weak character or, 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 or you know, a fearful person, he will probably succumb. And then the, 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 the ability to father properly and bring up a child properly or children properly becomes difficult because he has no money. Oh, he doesn't. He's not earning as much as they think he's earning in the village. So these are the issues around that. But largely speaking, ID, it's to do with the fact that Africans traditionally, for us, you you know, you marry, you must have children. I didn't say child or children. The more you have, the the the, the more wealthy you see. Yeah. Maybe poor, poorer. 
in in reality i mean you know this origin kind of gives um some very uh good scope i mean i like the way you put it uh, because when you look at the average man in the rural area he, for him being a father means legacy for him and being a father is showing an array of children now when those children come through he feels like okay um i have this empire i like the word and the man feels like an emperor the question is in modern day uh, psychology and economics would that necessarily still work in the village in the rural areas what does he portend with western aware trendsetters with the advent of technology where now with mobile telephony the rural village boy or man is no longer so rural is now western aware and that in itself begins to bring in some pressure into it now that pressure automatically in your view would that affect the way going forward that we see most of our the guys in the village who are um, getting into this institution of fatherhood um versus the guys in the city who are already seen as we are the trendsetters we are the ones what do you think this impact ultimately will happen to society and how do you see that okay so look my view of that it's it's interesting again because you know let's just widen the circle a little bit there is an increasing rate of urbanization across africa sub-saharan africa in particular but globally you know what i'll do aki sorry yeah. to badge in uh, aki we'll take a quick break because i think this answer you're about to give me is going to extend into a space let's take a break and we'll probably when we get back we'll take it off from there because it's really going to be quite some tours well friends it's navigated id once again i have my distinguished guest the person of mr akin soya um i'm sure listening to him you would then agree with me that couldn't have gotten a more ebullient and um, intellectual who's touching reality on the pangs of what fatherhood is all about we'll be right back don't go away don't touch the dial it's navigate with id we'll be back after this time out this is navigate with id brought to you by corporate shepherds welcome back dear friends uh, it's navigate with idnang and um, we've been talking about a responsible father it's been an interesting first half honestly and um, i am more than glad to have a distinguished uh, personality in my special guest mr akin soya akin is a very good friend of mine and um, from all the conversations we've had so far it's just beginning to tell me that we are going to have him back on thursday but let me not be too presumptuous um just to bring him back on the scene um akin you welcome again and um, back from that break and um before we had to take that break we were talking about the subject of economics the rural guy and the city guy at the end of the day how does that work in modern day uh, perspective when being a western aware trendsetter or and um someone who is on the other side who's an aspirational uh, follower with the trends in technology does it really impact on what the, how they see themselves as fathers within that network of uh, economics so over to you sir i'd like to uh, hear your thoughts on it okay so i i, I think um, the way that i would approach this is that clearly there is increasing urbanization across sub-saharan africa in particular yeah. um yeah uh, you know essentially this means that you know as the world becomes more capitalist as trade by barter begins to disappear and people begin to follow the money they will go to where they believe the money is and so there's a mm. huge amount of uh, a huge number of people leaving villages and going into the city to look for a better life Now of course city culture is totally different and I think I explained earlier cities are expensive yeah. Yeah. cities are unforgiving cities are impersonal nobody really cares who you are in a city at least certainly not compared to being in a village so um and of course you're right you know technology is is growing 
you know, mobile telephony, uh, internet services, uh, uh, radio. Uh, people are increasingly exposed to what's going on in the next village, in the next town, in the next city, in the next on the next continent, and are, it's shaping their minds and their thinking. Sometimes these these things are positive. I think one of the things that you know having a, a sort of urban mind allows you to do is that it allows you to recognize that being a father, you are no longer in the village if you're in the city because now you have to bring up that child yourself. Yeah, it's yep, not yep. a question of oh, I'm going out to Jabako for for two weeks. Remember, village headmaster. I yeah, Jabako. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to Jabako for two weeks. You know, yeah. Uh, and the man just goes, and everybody else looks after his child as if it's his there. child for him. No way. In the city, it doesn't work like that because food is not free. Uh, yeah. you know, nothing is free in the city. You have to pay for everything you get. Well, this something IRS, Inland Revenue Service, they're after everything. And, uh, you know, so really, the, that city mentality is making people get married later, have children later, be a little bit more prepared for it. That's a positive thing about being in the city, I think, because yeah. once you are now able to say, yes, I can afford it, you can then make a conscious decision. Unlike in the villages where it doesn't matter, there's always food to eat, there's always something to do, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, at the same time, you know, the, the disadvantage is some people wait for so long to get it right in the city that they don't actually ever come to the point where they decide to settle down because it's like that fan that fella sang about, you know, where, you know, he, he, the man had been saving for a fan, 300 naira. And when he got <laughs> to the to the market, it was now 900 naira. Are you with me? So he never got the fan. So some, some people decide, look, until I achieve this billionaire status, millionaire status, thousandaire status, I'm not going to make that move. So in some ways, it, it kind of curbs the population explosion and it curbs the, you know, the, 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 what I would call the fatherhood without due consideration for the responsibility that goes with it. I think there's mm. still a lot of that in the rural areas. And that's why you see this flood. Uh, interestingly, yeah. when I speak to people, when I speak to young people and they say, well, I'm looking for work. One question mm. I always ask them is, what does your father do? What does your mother do? How many siblings yeah. do you have? And, you know, the answer I often get is my father is a civil servant or a retired civil servant or is dead. My mom is a trader. She has a shop or she's selling on the roadside somewhere. Yeah. Say, How many siblings do you have? Nine, eight, seven. It's like, ah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, and then they're in the position where they're the ones now looking after the younger ones. After sometimes. the younger ones. Yeah. So in one sense, I think that we can't get away from who we are. And when you look at all these videos of, uh, you know, these rappers, you know, where they almost glorify, um, they, they, you know, and this is a city phenomenon. They glorify, you know, showing of the body and, you know, the cavorting and the and the debauchery and all of that. That in itself leads to more accidents because there's more, you know, uh, yeah, there's more engagement, or what I would call illicit engagement. Um, so, you know, there we go. I, I don't know if that's, that's dealt with. No, that you, you, you know, actually, you you utilize that question to to give me a good segue um the reason i said so is because um if i look back at my own immediate family my father left um the village at the age of 20. um my grandfather had seven wives and uh, my father is the first one or the first wife and of course you know what that comes with now Talking about responsibility, um, my father was not married when he took on the posture of fathering because he had to take care of his younger ones. The younger here, I'm talking about his immediate nuclear family and then the others, who his stepbrothers and stepsisters. By the time he got to Lagos at the age of 20, um, he had to stay in Surulere. And staying in Surulere then, um, he had to fend for one of, or two of his stepbrothers who had to live with him. And then he got married. The minute he got married, so the process is, this is a man 
he becomes a husband. He takes on some of, you know, brings the boys and the ladies from home. They come stay with him. Almost, um, would I say, close to 10 of my uncles and aunties passed through our home in Sulere. I, I, I know about that because I'm the first child. Now, Akin, what you mentioned is very key. Before my father became a father, he had started the process of fathering. And that is the preponderance that then happens. And so the natural process of being a man, a husband, and then a father could actually take a different turn simply because of the origin. So if you originated from a village setting, a rural setting, where you're coming to the city, that migration in itself comes with responsibility because typically your father or your parents or guardians may have had a bit more than the number you typically would have if you were in the city. Now, here's my, my question. Do you think that a man who goes through that process would ultimately become a better father? That is, one who had started the process of fathering by accident. His father had 10 kids. He is number one. And then his responsibility is to take care of the others coming. That's the process of fathering in a way. Would they naturally be better fathers than those who actually will go through the process, who are in the city, who are probably, they just have a sibling or two, and then get into the institution of marriage, become husbands, would they then, and then they now have kids. Do you think that the man who has gone through that rural immigration process to fathering before uh, truly becomes a father, and this other one, do you think um, it would be a better father? What would be your perspective if you were to scope it that way? Because that's the society we live in right now. That's the reality now. A lot of people are fathering before they actually become real fathers. Look, two things I'd like to start the response with. First, well, there are two phrases. The first one is this idea. Practice makes perfect. Practice <laughs> makes I like that. The second <laughs> phrase I would like to share with you is one that I'm sure you've also heard. Experience is the best teacher. Yeah. I can, so, yeah. So, if I have had practice at anything, playing golf, playing football, speaking English, singing, dancing, and I go up against somebody who has had no practice, I have a better chance. I'm not discounting yeah. talent. I have a better chance if I've been practicing and you haven't, and we go up against one another. Experience is the best teacher was the second phrase that I, I, I responded with. Yes, and if yes, we accept yes. that premise, that if you have experience in something, you would have learned more than if you just read it in a book, mm. then it stands to reason that the chances are that if you have been a father before you became a biological father, which I think is what you are referring to, Heidi. Yes, correct. You were, you were playing the fathery role without being the biological father. Yeah. That experience... That experience of fathering your younger siblings, whether financially, morally, um, uh, 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 counseling them, uh, by, yeah. by supporting them, whatever you have been able to do as the first child, for example, for your much younger siblings, when you start having your own children, you would have seen some of those things before, whether it is teenage waywardness or... Uh, yeah. diarrhea or yeah. you know, once you've seen it before, you know, you know what not to panic over and what yeah, to panic correct. And very interesting. Yeah. And, very and practice. Yeah. The more, the more you, you know, if you look at teachers, for example, in schools, teachers are very good with children. Generally, forget correct. about the teacher. They spend a lot of time with children. So they're yeah. practicing every day. How every to engage day. as a 29 year old teacher with a, with a 13-year-old child. So practice makes perfect and experience is the best teacher. And the very simple answer to your question, ID, is of course, you know, you're, you're going to be better prepared than somebody who has an, an only child, no younger brother, no younger sister, yeah. no cousins to look after, you know, and then, you know, you've never changed a nappy 
in your life, right? So because you didn't have a younger child, a younger sibling that you changed the nappy for, you know, sometimes you look around, you see young girls with a baby on their back that they clearly didn't have. Is their younger sibling. Yeah. By the time they have their own, they know how to back that baby. They well. know how to back the baby. Correct. You know, okay, why, why I stepped into this terrain, it's very, very interesting because one of the things we lack in our society today are values. Values. You find that for the most part, those who have gone through, like my father, you know, I'm using that as a live example, who went through that process, albeit of fathering, you know, um, I call them my grandfather's liabilities, you know, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and well, the, some of those liabilities have become my own liabilities in a way, because at some point when the old man had to retire, you still have to help, you know, close some of those gaps somehow. Um, that's, that's what makes us, that's the beauty of being an African. And I, um, by no means, you know, it does stretch sometimes, but I mean, uh, that's, that's what family is all about. But you find that there are innate values that will run through. Let me give you a classic example. Again, using my family, I'm putting my family on, on the table here. And also, okay, I know that you've read my book, so you'll see most of this coming through. Um, part of it coming through in, in, my, in my book, uh, that I just um, I just released, you realize that my grandfather I said had seven wives, right? Do you know that my father was the first was the first son of the first wife for the simple fact that my father had or has one wife, not one member of his team that is his brothers, not one of them has a second wife. They all had just one wife. So he stopped there. And why did he stop there? Because as the senior and as the father of the house, so to speak, you cannot bring a second woman into the house. The minute you bring a woman and say, this is a woman I want to marry, and everybody sees her, and they all say, this is a person, you can't bring a second. Before I got married, I had to take my wife down, okay, then, you know, took her home, to present her, my parents were living in Lagos here, yeah? to present her to the family, my uncles at home. And that presentation, you know what they said to me, Aki? They said, we have seen this one. Huh? This yes. is the one you brought for us. Now, once you have brought her, we've accepted her as you brought her. Just know that you can bring another one to tell us this is my wife. And I'm going to the point where responsibility coming through sits actually within the scope of the father. So if a father is able to dictate that pace, it actually transcends into generations. So see what you may call in my grandfather's era, exactly the picture you painted. The man had so much farmland. And so his empire was driven by the number of kids he had because they all had to be get into the farms plus his wives okay but there was a downside to it the minute yes. the breadwinner was nowhere after the civil war there yes. were issues so issues came in and so my father had to abort his education he could only get a first school living certificate and then he found himself coming over to lagos at the age of 20 and ended up spending 60 years of his life in lagos he went back home at the age of 80. so for 60 years what you find today, the 55 of that 60 is this young man sitting here, I know, uh, right beside you and talking about uh, legacy-driven life. So I'm bringing it back to the legacy-driven life, which is the overarching subject we're looking at, of which fatherhood is in. Now, in this closing moment, I would really like to get your perspective on the value equation. So you find that a lot of those who have gone through some process of apprenticeship, quote and unquote, you know what I mean by apprenticeship, who are yes. playing roles of big brother, but in real sense, they are fathering. When they eventually become husbands, they have a, a slight and better chance of becoming more responsible fathers than those who just became accidental or never had that process check of apprenticeship who just have lived a good life 
maybe by reason of affluence. And then the impact on the society, you begin to feel it, you know, in diverse ways. What I'd like to gain your perspective on that, bro. Sure. Um, so look, I, like, like I said earlier, practice makes perfect. Yeah, an I kind of like that way. I like that. An experience is the best teacher. However, however, you cannot rule out natural talent. So you see some people who have had practice, lots of it, and they've never been able to grasp what it is to become or to be a good father. Mm. You see other people who have had a lot of experience. I've fathered 45 children. Who can tell me about fatherhood? I have 45 children spread all over the place. But then you see somebody with only one child who has been able to look after that child properly, bring up that child properly. You know, I, I, I marvel when I look at some of the most successful people in the world. And I'll, I, I'm going to try to address your question. At least the most successful, as we are told, I don't know if they're the happiest, but they seem to be so. <laughs> they seem to be. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. We have the, 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 the wealthiest man in the world who developed this software thing. I don't want to name people necessarily. Yeah. So you can figure out who I'm talking about. If you, you can name yeah. them if you want. But, you know, he, he, this man, him and his wife, who I think they recently got divorced. But you know who I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, I do. He, I... he has two children. Yeah. With all of the money in the world, he has only two children and had only one wife. You look at the former president of America. He's a public figure, and I will name him because it's not promoting any sort of brand. Um, Barack Obama, two girls, not looking for a boy, not looking for twins, not looking for, you know, two girls, all right? You can't tell me he can't afford to, to spend, you know, <laughs> to, he can't afford to have 10 children. He's got enough money to be able to do that. You look yeah. at the, you know, our richest billionaire here in our climbs here. I think he only has two girls. Well, I don't know, but that, that's what we're told. He has two girls. Again, you know, there's a, there's a level of exposure that teaches smart people that the investment in your children is not money. It's the time you're able to spend guiding them. If you have mm. 10, you can't guide 10. If you have two, you can have dinner for four every evening. Your two children, your wife, yourself, and you can input into those children. You know, equally, there isn't this competition for daddy's face, daddy's this, daddy's that, because there are only two. Now, just this two. Is not, yeah, this is not an experiment that I've carried out. It's just an observation. Okay, mm -hmm. and then you see some of our more grandiose politicians in Nigeria and so-called wealthy billionaires, right? who've had 10, 15, 20 children, and they go around bragging that six of them have PhDs, eight of them have masters, <laughs> three went to Harvard. And it's like, how many times have they sat and had a conversation with their father? Not many, right? So when you look down the line and you look at legacy, you find yeah. that the most successful people, leaders, and I'm not, when I use the word success, please, it's not synonymous with money. Yeah, correct. I'm with you. I feel you. People, yeah. The most successful, impactful people you see around tend to have had a very good relationship with their father and with their mother. They've, they've been given time. And please, there's a line that you can cross where you start to spare the rod and spoil the child. And I'm not talking about that extreme. I'm saying yeah. those who have been able to give and impart into their children because the time is available, enough knowledge, enough exposure, enough education, enough uh, time, enough counsel, enough care, enough nurturing. They've been able to find the time because the children are not plenty. Okay, ID, right? So there's yeah. something to be said for understanding that time is a commodity and one that you cannot get back once it's lost, once it's gone, once your children are 25 and they've left home. What you should have put into them at 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, you can't put it to them at 35, 36, 37, 38, 39. No, they're gone. They're already, gone with the wind. They're yeah. formed. Even if they're living in your house, they've already got their own ideas around life. So actually, the key, in my view, to societal success and legacy in society is to have small nuclear families, time 
to give to the children, not to be jetting around the world looking for money from every corporate organization that can give you a package and leave your children in some boarding school somewhere, but buy them everything they need. That's not nurturing, right? Anybody can put their child in, I don't know, Eton or, you know, one of these other big schools and say, okay, boarding school, paid for five years or 10 years, just be looking after the child for me in Switzerland. That's not nurturing. That's not bringing up a child. But, you know, and people tend to do that when they have too many or they're too rich, right? Yeah. You need yeah. balance. Enough wow. money to be able to look after your children, but not so much that you will spoil them or ignore them. Ignore right? them. And not so little that you can't afford to give them the exposure, which and expands the, their minds to yeah. become real people. Gosh, we've run out of time. Time runs so fast. You see, as if I knew that uh, this topic was going to be quite an inexhaustible topic. And um, I'm grateful to God that I, I just could have, you're probably the best man to, to address this. Now, um, I'm going to kick in the commitment, which is, you will be back on Thursday, bro. And I'm going to pick up from where we stopped. And really now, when we get back on Thursday, uh, distinguished listeners, we're going to move from where we are today and now into the impact uh, of having solid families build solid societies, solid nations, but all of that pipelined from the process of true fathers or perhaps what you may term real men. You've been listening to Navigate with ID. Aki, I want to say a big thank you to you. Yes, we are going to roll roll this over. Yes, you're coming back. Thank you for accepting. Thank you so much um, for joining us. And um, friends, if you want to, you know, ask some questions, Akin, just quickly, you know, um, hit your emails and send an email to me, contact at navigatewithid.com. If you have any questions, we've been talking about the subject, a responsible father. It's Father's Day and we want to have this Father's Week and we want to be able to talk about a responsible father. We look forward to Thursday where we'll move this needle on how a responsible father can be a blessing to the society. Okay, thank you so much. I don't know what's not enough to say thank you for coming on this program. Thank and you, very um, much. you have um, a quick um, goodbye to the guys, and then we'll be back again on Thursday. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show, ID. I think it's a, it's a fantastic topic and one that... Uh, I think is important uh, enough to be addressed by a show as, uh, as prominent and prestigious as yours. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Well, friends, um, that's it. We'll call it a wrap. Uh, by the grace of God, we'll be here Thursday. Take care of your good selves. And remember, it takes a lot to be responsible. Don't give away what you have because it is your right to be responsible. Take care. God bless. Goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.